We got a special guest in the studio this morning. His name is Ralph Johnson, and he is a percussionist. He's a frontman with Earth, Wind, and Fire. And you've done a lot of stuff. Hi, Ralph. Well, good morning. And how are you? I'm great, man. Glad to be here. Glad to have you with me. Well, I'm glad to be here too. So, you know, tell me about your beginning. Well, it actually started one Christmas. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Uh, started one Christmas. I woke up and there was a snare drum under the Christmas tree. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Santa Claus, man, he did the thing. So um, I started taking drum lessons at the age of eight years old. Okay. And uh, just kept going, man, you know, started forming little bands in the neighborhood. And, you know, uh, junior high school, I was in the band in high school and then you know, uh, it, just, it just kept going and going and going. And uh, in 19, December of 1971, I auditioned for Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the rest is history? Well, so they say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it turned out pretty cool if you had told me that um, I would be in a band for 50 years. I'd say, like, oh, come on, man, really? That's you great. Know, you know, but it's been, it, it's really been quite an adventure. It's been a learning experience, you know, highly educational. Um, so now when you started with, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, Maurice was still involved. Absolutely. He, this was his whole concept. Yes, it was. And uh, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Um, he left Ramsey Lewis. He was Ramsey Lewis's drummer and uh, came out west, you know, left Chicago, came out west. There was a whole, actually, there was a whole other Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. And they had cut two albums on Warner Brothers. But they didn't really do anything. And, and quite honestly, Warner Brothers didn't really know how to market black music. I'm from Chicago. Okay. And Maurice was working sessions with my uncle, who plays guitar, and some of my other relatives that are, one's a percussionist. And they all told him he was crazy to move to L.A. and start a band. Well, <laughs> sometimes crazy pays off. Crazy works. You know, and he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, 72, um, we did an audition for Clive Davis, uh, who was then the president of Columbia Records. Matter of fact, Clive, we were just in New York about a month and a half ago celebrating Clive's 90th birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. And we are definitely one of his favorite groups. You know? Well, he was definitely an innovator in the record world. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Brilliant man. No doubt about it. Always kind of a visionary and just knew what he was doing. He had the sixth sense yes. and a passion for it. See, that's what sets him apart is the passion. Yeah, and he's still in the office every day mm-hmm. right now. Still in the office every day. That's wonderful. You know, and so it worked out, man. And Clyde was very hands-on. He loved us. We had the right promotion and marketing team and, you know, by 1975, we had our first hit, Shining Star, and mm-hmm. it just kept going from there, you know. So here we are, 50 years later, still doing what we do, still loving it. Um, I don't know what to say. I've been, I, I can, well, I do know what to say. I've been very blessed. <laughs> and your your love of jazz is obvious. Oh, I love it. We, especially when you do the show for us on Saturdays. Well, thank jazz you. Jazz Epicenter 6.7. The finest in jazz. Yes, the it 60s is. And no, 70s and more. You. I agree with you 100%. And are you ready to go to the Jazzscape? Yes, I am. Okay. Always. Right. Okay. <laughs> because but anyway. I'm, I'm kind of a disciple of people like Roy Haynes and yes. Elvin Jones yes. and those cats. You yeah. know? Keep naming them. 
I, I had a Tony funny Williams thing, funny thing happen to me. I had always wanted to figure out Elvin Jones. I never could. It was always above me. Yes. And I had a date with a girl that I really wanted to go out with, and I took her to Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. Ah, uh, yeah, right. And that was the night that God gave me the epiphany, and I discovered what Elvin was doing. And I ignored her so completely that she left. Well, <laughs> I can see how that could happen. I have a great Tony Williams story. Go ahead, because Tony's one of my idols. Oh, man. Uh, you know, Tony had a great teacher in Boston, Alan Dawson, mm -hmm. at the Berkeley School of Music. And uh, so Tony comes into L.A. He's playing at a very famous jazz spot, then on Coanga Boulevard called Catalina's, yes. which is now on Sunset Boulevard. And uh, so I tell my student, I said, man, tonight I'm going to take you to see a drummer. He's just, just going to kill you. And now I had heard about Tony, but I had never seen him live. Mm -hmm. So we go down to the club and we catch the set. And when Tony Williams finished... Playing all that stuff. I went into a depression. And both my student and I walked off the club. And on the drive back home, we were totally silent. I don't think I touched my drums for two weeks. Because the question was, well, if Tony's playing all that, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, no, man, Tony Williams. Oh, my, yeah. My goodness. Well, Did you ever get a chance to see him? Yes, I did. In fact, I went to a clinic that he did. Ooh. And Tony, his thing is that he was 17 when Miles hired him. That's right. And he was also the only drummer that Miles gave total freedom to. And you hear it. Mm-hmm. You hear it. One of my favorite interviews with Miles Davis is when they asked him about Tony Williams. And he said, Tony is my music. Whoa, that's a yeah. deep statement for Miles. It's really deep. You know, yeah, yeah, man. No, so... Yeah, man, that was that, Tony Williams. You know, he was a phenomenon and and a great composer. Yes, and a great band leader. Yes, yes, and knew how to put people together just the right way. Well, you know what? And speaking of putting people together, that's what Maurice had going. Yes, because we were all drafted. I mean, you know, when I did that audition, uh, it was just myself, Verdine. And the guitar player at that time, Michael Beale. Just three of us jamming. And when the jam session was over, um, Verdine called Maurice. And Maurice said, what did you think, man? You, can he? And Verdine was like, no, he's, he's, this is the cat. We want, <laughs> this is the cat we wanted a band. You know? So it just kind of went on from there. Now, did you start as the drummer with the band? Yes. Okay. Yeah. How'd you get out front? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, <laughs> we, uh, were filming Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm -hmm. It was us and the Bee Gees and Aerosmith and on and on and on. I think Tina Turner was in there. And, uh, we had covered, because every band that was in the movie was covering a tune, we covered Got to Get You Into My Life, which is one of those tracks I played on. And, um... But at that time, we had two drummers. The other drummer was Freddie White. Okay. So we're both in the back. They're getting ready to shoot the scene, and it's Maurice and Phil out front. And George Faison, our choreographer, choreographer who was coming off the Broadway play The Wiz, mm -hmm. was looking at the shot, and he said, Ralph, come down here. Here, get off the drums. Come down here. Stand right here. Sing with Maurice. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> you know, and from that point forward, I was never able to get back on the drums. They wanted me out front. Okay. And so I said, okay, well, if that's, uh, you know, that's what it is and that's what it is. But I wanted to go back to something because I said I was drafted. Please do. Um, I have one of the best Vietnam stories ever. Okay. And I never went to the service. So in 72, I get a draft notice, selective service. I'm 1A. Mm. Now, if you were 1A, you were going. Mm-hmm. There was no, I went through the whole process. I went down to the induction center, did the physical, blah, blah, blah. I was on my way out of here. And so the, as a side note, this is how I know that God wanted me to do Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I'm, I'm like, man, Vietnam, come on. So, But then I get a second letter from the Selective Service. Mm-hmm. It says, you are now 1H. That designation means you are not subject to processing for induction. Mm-hmm. And I could not figure out how it changed. But I found out that um, during the time that I was drafted, there was supposed to be a 90-day moratorium. There was supposed to be no drafting, but they kept drafting. So six guys took the selective service to court and won the case based on that, and 10,000 of us got off. I was in that 10,000. Well, that's great. That's a great story. Man, that's the absolute truth. Otherwise, I, otherwise how, I was I was out of here. Well, I remember how heavy it was when I had to go register. Yeah, because I was yeah. in that same era, and but they classified me one H from the start. Whoa! Not too many people know about that classification. I know because the and the following year, my my number in the lottery came up number three, and I'm like, boy, am I glad I didn't get a one A. Wow. Yeah, I was. I started out 1A, went to 1H. All right. You know? So now you guys are still doing your thing. You're still traveling. You're still stronger than ever. Heard you at the Venetian last year, and it is stronger than ever. A very successful engagement at the Venetian. We're at the Venetian, um, and my agent slash manager, Vince Verscher, who's sitting to my left, uh, calls me and says, Hey, man, there's a 24 hour jazz station here. You should come over and do an interview and and put together a playlist, too. Now, I don't know if Vince had already talked to them or if he just, after <laughs> I said yes, went and said, hey, man, guess who I got? I don't know how that worked. I'll have to talk with Vince about that. But anyway, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to do an interview, you know. And uh, I came over. And then next thing I knew, I was being asked to do two hours on Saturday from 6 to 8. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Because I was already involved with a st- an internet station. This is so funny. An internet station uh, here out of Vegas. And it's so funny because I would call on Saturdays and I would say, so how we do on the numbers? And they, he, he, would, <laughs> he would say this, man, man, Ralph, you had 100 listeners. I was like, wow, okay, 100 <laughs> listeners. So... I'm not quite sure what the listenership here is here for this station at that moment when I come on, but it's got to be more than 100. I can guarantee it's more than 100. All right, okay. So I'm happy. 
yeah. I'm happy. Oh, we're, we're, you know? we're really happy to have you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's always good for me to sit and talk with not only somebody in the industry, but another percussionist. Amen. You know? Because we have something different going on. Oh, we on. got a thing. We got a brotherhood that nobody else has. No. And no, that's a good thing. They can't get to it. And I want to thank you for spending some time with me. Oh, man, no problem, man. You know, uh, any time. And, well, and I'm just going to tell you, anytime you want to come in, you're welcome in my in my studio. Okay. Well, I and, do appreciate that. Thank you, Ralph. And we've been with Ralph Johnson. I want to thank all of you for listening this morning. And uh, stay with us and hang out, groove with us at 91.5 Jazz and more.